Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, this is Barb Crowley, and welcome to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Mustafa Gadalori, star and investigator of A&E's Ghost Hunters, and co-author with Brandon Alvis of their new book, Elements of a Haunting, is joining us today to share some amazing ghost stories and the scientific methods, techniques, and equipment they use to investigate these hauntings. Welcome to the show. So, Mustafa, um, you ended up obviously on A&E Ghost Hunters, but how did you start? How did you get into being a ghost hunter? I think it's similar to a lot of people's stories. Um, for me, it was uh, I grew up in a haunted house, <laughs> and it was it was a really trippy kind of experience, uh, super emotional. You know, we kind of came from this really small apart- apartment in Lodi, New Jersey, uh, and then we had a huge family. There was seven of us total and no, eight of us. Geez. And then we ended up moving <laughs> to this, uh, yeah, to this wonderful house in uh, new city, New York. But we had experienced activity from the first night we had uh, moved in and mm-hmm. it persisted for years and years and years until around the time my uncle and his family they had fallen on some hard times and they came and lived in the house uh, with us. I mean, it was a big place. We had three floors. Um, the bottom level was pretty much a shoot. I'd say like a 1600 square foot, like apartment. Like there was yeah. a whole kitchen and uh, you know, we had two kitchens in the home. So they lived there. And then there was something I think about the fact that there was like so many people in the home and, we all were kind of like really poor, but we were making it like work together. Uh, it it was a pretty great thing, you know, and, and I think that that positive energy or whatever it was uh, exercised whatever was there for the lack of a better term. Then uh, as years kind of went by, um, I got sick and tired of always hearing my family blame all of their bad luck on um, this paranormal activity in the house they thought that they were cursed with something muslims i grew up muslim um they believe in these beings called jinn and mm-hmm. jinn yeah jinn are like one of two of god's creations in the quran you've got jinn and humans those are like you know jinn exist in another dimension and you have these mischievous jinn who are like you know i guess just messing with my family for whatever reason i thought it was the stupidest thing and uh i kind of didn't believe i know I, we saw weird things cabinets and cupboards opening and closing by themselves, toys moving by themselves, weird nightmares, feelings of getting touched, um, and, you know, strange things where we'd see, like, doppelgangers of family members, even though they weren't there in the house. Uh, you know, like my grandfather, the same day he had a stroke, my mom saw him walking down the stairs, and he had been at his daughter's house, my aunt Flora's house in Maywood, New Jersey, for like an hour. My mom sees him. She's like, what the heck? Calls up my aunt Flora. And she's like, hey, uh, you know, 
bye-bye. He, he, he's leaving right now. I thought he left earlier. And she's like, no, he's been here for like the past 45 minutes. Mom's like, what? And then like the, the 20 minutes or an hour later or something, he gets a stroke. So there's like a lot of weird stuff. So I kind of went into studying the paranormal as a way of dis- just, I was curious, but I also kind of wanted to disprove it. I wanted to disprove the fact that there was gin in this house and, and I learned more about gin and all of the activity that occurred in the home seemed like it was more ghosts. So that initial curiosity started as a way of disproving it, but then it kind of became like an obsession of like, Ooh, well, maybe this is real. Oh, there's other people who experienced this. Oh man. So that's what kind of got me started, you know? And then I started talking to other like-minded people and went to college and found out what paranormal investigating was. And I was kind of more into the research side and, investigators uh, started getting me into the field and some people would always say stuff like, Oh, I think you're sensitive to this or that. And like, I didn't really care that much about that. I just kind of cared more about like what evidence can we document? Um, if I get a feeling and I end up, you know, finding something as a result of that feeling great, but it's not anything I really relied on. Uh, and then, yeah. And then I just, I, I did it and I did it on my own dime on my own time. And, Anytime I dated somebody, it was kind of weird because then I'd have to like, <laughs> hey, what do you, what, like, I remember I had this one You have girlfriend. any ghosts? <laughs> yeah, it, it was strange. Yeah. Like, I had this one girlfriend who thought I was always, like, cheating on her. I'm like, no, I'm just hanging out some, like, abandoned <laughs> freaking <laughs> factory somewhere and, like, you know, yeah. Pine Barrens. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I promise you, like, I'm not. This is before smartphones, so it's not like she could FaceTime me or anything. Right. <laughs> so it was it was always yeah I, I one one girl broke up with me because she was con- like convinced and I was like this time I'm not cheating I swear <laughs> so it was, you never yeah, brought them so. into um ghost hunt with you so, some or they of, some of them, come <laughs> yeah some some of them I did my my wife uh about I would say two years ago she started coming with me on them and she's had some crazy experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, she had she had one in particular that was really gnarly at uh, Old Nazareth Hospital in Mineral Wells, Texas, and uh, they shut that place down because of what happened there. But um, it was what happened there? So uh, I'll try to condense this as much as possible because I get really wordy. I'm like my dad, where I just go on and on. <laughs> okay. But we're we're at we're at the Old Nazareth Hospital. I had investigated there a couple of times before. And this was like the second ever paranormal investigation that I brought my wife on. So there's a fifth floor over there. And I start getting the sensation that there's someone there who's avoiding us. And I have a EDI, which is our data logger. We use that in, in the show, but it's basically just to text a variety what is of it, different. It, yeah. uh, you know, what is a data logger? Because so I use, picked it up yeah. from your book, but, um, mm-hmm. you know. So all it is, is it's a device that is a multifunctional tool that detects different environmental parameters. So you've got temperature, increase, decrease. You've got EMF. You've got uh, vibrations. You've got barometric pressure. If the pressure is being sucked out of the room for some mm-hmm. reason. You ever get that heavy feeling when you investigate? Right. Uh, a lot of times we get that heavy feeling out of nowhere and then we log changes in barometric pressure. And if you, and you can graph it. So it'll be like, here's the pressure. It's this much. And there's a huge drop or there's a huge spike. 
And that, if we can correlate that with a weird light anomaly, or let's say like, ooh, like, you know, I heard something and we get an EVP and we timestamp mm-hmm. that and it's around the same time. That's pretty interesting because right. what caused this? I don't know. I don't know if it's the ghost of an old Victorian maid who's getting back at like the man who like knocked her up and then he had her killed. <laughs> and, and then took her off, yeah. Yeah, those salacious <laughs> ghost stories or whatever. But yeah. um, it's uh, it's something weird's happening. If it's not normal, it's paranormal. You know, that's what Brandon always says. So that that that's why we use that data logger. So I'm following that. what I feel like. I just get this feeling that something's there and I'm following it throughout all the rooms on the fifth floor and we're investigating with some other members of Lone Star Paranormal. Kellen Buckley's a member of that team. He's a really great guy. Uh, does some really great work. And um, I start to get this really kind of like, I'm getting changes on uh, environmental changes in the data logger, but I get this really tight feeling on the left side of my neck. It's almost as if someone's grabbing it. And I'm like, ooh, okay. Like, this is cool. Like, wow, something's happening. And I'm not... Weirdly enough, I'm not like frightened by it. Uh, I'm kind of more excited by it. But then I start seeing my wife. It stops on me. And then I start seeing my wife get really uncomfortable. And then she starts hyperventilating. And I'm like, oh, no, like I feel bad. I'm at this like event. <laughs> and like there's like I think we had like 78 or 80 people who, like they all paid. and They wanted to come and investigate. And, you mm-hmm. know, I'm like, uh, they want to spend time with me and stuff. And, and I'm like, oh, man, that's like my first feeling. It's so shallow and messed up. And I was like, she's ruining this whole thing. And then, and then she's freaking out. So I have her, you know, get her out of the room, send her downstairs. And she, she's like, I feel like there's something on me and I can't get it off. So um, there was a woman there by the name of Phoenix. And she was, I walked downstairs and I see this woman, Phoenix, saying these prayers over her and I'm very, I'm very kind of like practically chill minded about it. <laughs> Not chill, but like I'm practically minded. I, yeah, I, 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 I I'm, I'm very, very, uh, <laughs> I'm very distrustful of stuff like that. I, yeah. I, I, I kind of like at my base is like a very visceral reaction. I kind of like hate it. Like I, I don't like it. Uh, and uh, I guess Phoenix could see that. And mm-hmm. she's like, don't worry. I know you don't believe in this stuff. And I'm like, oh, no, not at all. It's like, meanwhile, in the back of my head, I was like, yes, like, you know, and, um, but, it, but, to Phoenix, but to Phoenix's credit, I mean, it, whatever she did worked. And, mm-hmm. and that completely changed my mind on a lot of stuff that night. So then right. later on in the evening, we go back upstairs. I tell people, let's cool it from this area. We go up with another group and then boom, we start getting environmental changes again. But then this time, we start what seems like a conversation. We ask this entity near an empty elevator shaft, like, Hey, if you're there, can, can you knock like twice? And then all of a sudden we hear like, dong, dong. And we're like, okay, just to make sure if that's you there, could you, could you knock like that again? Dong, dong. And this is coming out of an empty elevator shaft and it's not operational. Mm -hmm. So every time you ask, it's never arbitrary. Every every question. So Apparently, it was a patient there who had a leg injury on their left side, and it doesn't like people to be there. And then the question stopped. So then we go to this one area of the building with a man, uh, rest in peace, Ken Potter, who used to go to Worley Hospital a lot. And Mr. Potter is like, uh, 
hey, you want to go to the devil room? And I was like, well, of course, if you put it like that. So then we go into the phone <laughs> room and we're all in the circle and we're doing a short burst EVP session. So we're there, we're on the recorders, we start asking questions and we're repeating the same question in a circle. I ask my question, wait a few seconds. And the next person, as they're asking the question, I get that feeling again. And then it moves down to my left side and I'm like, ooh. And after that person asks the question, I see them grab their left side as if something's hurting them. They're like, oh. Mm. And then I'm like, okay. And then I see the third person, she asks her question. And then a few seconds after I see her grab her side and then I'm grabbing mine and she looks at me and I'm like, Shh, don't say anything. Cause I don't want people, you know, you get in that yeah. people like, Oh, I feel it too. It's like this. Whole right. Thing right. It's like, yeah. The, the mass the hysteria kind of thing of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we get to the sixth person and I notice he's kind of like dozing off and I just thought he was bored which I'm like, I felt bad because I always want people to like, you know, obviously we're doing real investigative work, but I want people to have fun, you know, they're paying mm-hmm. money to go to these events. Yeah. So I asked, I asked the, the woman next to him, who I think was his, his, his girlfriend or wife. And I'm like, Hey, I'm like, I'm like, Hey man, are you all right? I'm like, I'm like, you want to ask a, another question or anything like that? And she's like, no, he just doesn't feel well. And then the man, I see him just go and he grabs his left side and he collapses. Oh my yeah. God. So then we have to cart him out there. And then later on in the night, Again, Doesn't that scare you, though? I mean, you're no. doing this a long time. Oh, you, no. not at all, huh? I, I'm scared of, like, a, I'm, I, I grew up a big-time scaredy cat. They literally yeah. shut down. You ever go to Keensburg, New Jersey? Like, the yeah. New York parts there? <laughs> so there was a ride there, the Lupo plane, and I was nine years old. I screamed and cried so loudly that they <laughs> shut the ride down and they stopped it. Like, it's like, I'm a big-time scaredy cat. When it right. comes to paranormal stuff, though, I don't know what it is. Is it's just I don't well, you know, grew like, up I, with it, don't you think? Yeah. That's it. You grew up. I have to tell you, I grew up in a haunted house too. Yeah, you know, okay. with the big heavy furniture moving across the room, but nothing moved. You know, and then the yeah. the heavy footsteps and and faucets turning on and off and, you know, lights turning on and off. And I find that I'm pretty comfortable with that too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah, I think because you grow up with it, it's natural to you. You know, yeah. it's, it's becomes very comfortable somehow, you know, but it know is why. odd. It is odd. I think it's grown up with it that, you know, as a kid, you never take it as abnormal. It's kind of yeah. normal. But yeah. and then as adult, you just kind of roll with it. But anyway, I don't want you to get off your story. Back to oh, the no, guy dropped. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, then he dropped. They cart him out of there. They have to carry him down the stairs. And then we're like, all right, nobody's allowed to investigate the fifth floor. So then the night's like kind of winding down. We go to other areas of the place, getting some good activity. I think we got some like voices. And then it's like the la- literally the last 10 minutes of the night. And this one group, a group of like three guys, they come up to me. They're like, hey, man, we heard what happened on the fifth floor. Can you take us up there? And I'm like, yeah. no, man, like we're not allowed. He said, like, come on, I'm going to go up there anyway. And like, you know, I'd want you to come with us. And I'm like, I'm like well, if we're going to go up there anyway, I'll come up with you. Mm-hmm. Literally within like two minutes of us going upstairs, again, I start to feel that same sensation in my neck. And then the guy who was really gung-ho about going up there, he's like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. It feels like somebody's strangling me. And then we have to leave. Wow. Fast Did forward your wife ten- go up with you? 
No, she, she <laughs> stayed down there. She yeah. was like, I'm done for the night. And then yeah. I think 10 days later, Ken Potter in that building. So there was the fifth floor and the seventh floor, which is where people get the most stuff mm-hmm. in terms of like bad feelings and stuff. Ken Potter goes to the fifth floor. They investigate for a bit. Walks up to the seventh floor. He's there for a few minutes, grabs his left side, has a heart attack, and dies. Are you kidding? Yeah. Oh, and my that's, God. They, they shut down the building. Um, they're not allowed to investigate there anymore. But um, it's a... Uh, yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, yeah, it was pretty... We went and we did a tribute for Ken a few months after his passing. And then obviously, because we're psychos, we investigate... And Ken's favorite piece of equipment was the EDI. So we'd go Mm -hmm. to literally the same spot that he passed. And we're there with a bunch of the folks there. And Kellen has the video of it. And I was just in complete disbelief. Um, The EDI EDI starts registering pressure hits when we ask somebody, Ken, to touch it. And the EDI gets knocked over. And and I I, I immediately go, there's no way that's real. Has to be the wind has to be the win. There's no way it was the win. There's no way it yeah. was the win. And Kellen's like, you ruined my clip because like you're saying it's not real the entire time it's happening. I was like, dude, I was just in I was just in complete disbelief. Um which so. takes away what we said five minutes ago as we got used to it growing up in haunted houses. That yeah. all wasn't real. But but did you know if it was him? I don't that know. knocked I mean, over the um Equipment? No, it seemed. It, listen, all we know is what happened. We start asking, "Hey, Ken, are you here?" We start registering different environmental changes, mm-hmm. different devices. All of the devices in the room start getting set off every time we mention Ken's name. Anytime we tell him that we miss him. Uh, anytime, like multiple times. Hey, and then we're like, "Hey, if, if you're not, if like if like Ken, if you're not Ken." Um, like, can you please not turn on any of our devices? None of the devices go on. Like, Ken, if that's you, can you can you touch one of these devices or set one of them off? And then all of them start going off. And that happened multiple times to the point where one of I think he was getting so exasperated or excited that uh, knocked over the EDI. So that was uh, pretty remarkable. Um, yeah, but strangely enough, not not the most remarkable thing that I've encountered. So. What is the most remarkable thing? I can't go too much into it uh, because this was on one of the cases that we did for Haunted Discoveries, um, the new show that we have coming out. But And, you know, when it's your new show? So your new show is a docu-series, uh, Haunted mm-hmm. Discoveries. And when is that going to come out? So I, probably fall. Um, we're Of 2022? Yeah, fall of this okay. year. I, I'd imagine it'd come out fall of, of 2022. The uh, the network that picks it up or streaming service that picked it up, um, they have their own plans for it. But we are pushing very, very, very heavily for fall. Okay, good. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. I think it would it would make the most sense just because, you know, that's when everybody's in the spooky mode. Uh, right, right. Halloween and stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. Can you give us a teaser or not? Well, yeah, I will say at this um, this juncture, like the, the craziest thing that we encountered was 
This is a case. We went to this location and uh, in Kentucky. All of the episodes are in Kentucky. And um, didn't really think heading into it that it was going to be pretty much anything. I mean, we got, we documented so many amazing things in all these cases. And I always have it in the back of my head where I was like, there's no way we're going to be able to, to top what we just got. Or there's no way we're going to get so lucky as to like have every, like almost every single one of these spots have something really cool happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how we always work is like, we just do the protocol. We follow the method that we outline in the book, you know, elements right. of haunting. And we were like, let's just follow that. And then we're at this location. And I remember even distinctly, we're all burnt out. It was the last place that we filmed. And uh, even looking at it outside, we're like, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be enough, like, you know, for a whole episode of a TV show. And then we go in and um, start talking to the woman who owns the place. And uh, there was something about just seeing her on camera mm-hmm. and seeing the way that she spoke about this location and her connection to it. She just, uh, I don't know, she, she just looked beautiful. Um, and I don't mean beautiful, like, oh, she's like hot, like Selma High, yeah. like Sophia Loren or something like that. It's, like ethereal, beautiful? Yes. Like there was an okay. honesty and sincerity that she had into what she was saying. And I remember just sitting in the hallway with like, you know, the audio monitors and I'm looking at the screen because we were looking at everything. Brandon and I are looking at each other and I was like, dude, I think this is going to work. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I think this is going to be a really good spot. He's like, yeah, I just got that feeling too. And then sure enough, I'll put it this way. If, if what we got at this location is what I think it is, uh-huh. we're talking about five, about five and a half hours of sustained communication wow. that we continued to do even after we were done filming. And there were members of the crew who weren't getting paid to be there, but they mm-hmm. stayed behind to witness this uh it's probably not just the most and this is going to sound like one of the most arrogant things in the world and i can't even believe i'm saying it but it's not it's potentially not just the most significant paranormal find Mm -hmm. but it's the one of the most significant human finds um i think ever if and we're 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 taking a lot of the stuff that we documented and we're going to electrical engineers. We're going to scientists. Uh, if we can really pinpoint the exact method of how this entity communicated with us, um, I'm not even kidding. I think there's a way we could create a possible uh, ghost phone, Oof. like a ghost phone, like a, like a way to oh, literally really? go yeah. and contact people in real time who have passed on. Um, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not, that's, that's where my head's at with it. And that's yeah. like, I feel bad because you're probably going to have like debt collectors calling people from beyond the grave <laughs> or like, you know, imagine you're a ghost and it's like, Hey, we're calling you about your car's extended warranty. Right, you know right. I mean? Yeah. But the ghost can say, come and get me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it, suck it. Uh, you know? right. Yeah, exactly. Come on and get me. <laughs> I'll wait for you. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
right. I Imagine that. <laughs> Did you ever, now I read your book, Elements of a Haunting, fascinating, and you go into the scientific approach and everything, which I love. But, but never do you say to those people, where are you? You know, um, are you in a different dimension or and you may not have put it in your book. You may have asked these questions and it's not in your book. But, you know, um, like to have a ghost phone. Were you answering that phone? (laughs) Yeah, I I think this this uh, at this last location, uh, this place that I'm talking about. um, Again, if what we found there is is true, which everything seems to point that it is um this particular i think there's different kinds of entities and i think there's different kinds of hauntings and i think that it's different for different entities and i think there's types Mm -hmm. um for this particular individual they didn't really pass away that long ago so it kind of rejects newbies they're newbies uh 1999 is when they passed away um and then but here's what we found what is consistent among a lot of intelligent hauntings was that the location held a deeply emotional significance to the individual and that there is almost always a very, very deep familial connection. There's a family tie. There's a feeling of legacy There's a sense of name. There's a sense of importance. But most of all, as after school special as this sounds, of love, there has to be a very deep connection and a love for a place for these particular types of of hauntings. And um, And this is for a place and not uh, the people in the place. And you know what, though? I want you to hold this. We've got to take a break. What a rough place, right? But then again, everybody has to come back to find out about these these new type of categories. Really, you're starting to do that now with the type of spirits on the other side. So we'll be right back. One thing's for certain. Life is uncertain. Do you navigate the unknowns? Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com to sign up for psychic readings and classes with Barb Crowley. You can schedule one-to-one sessions with Barb for personal and relationship counseling, pet communication, mediumship, career and business direction, or sign up for one of her classes. Everyone has answers through the metaphysical plane, but they need help to access them. Get the help you need today. Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to a view through the veil at gmail.com. Now back to the show. 
Hi, this is Barb Crowley, and welcome back to Metaphysics of View Through the Veil. And we're on with Mustafa, who has just written with Brandon Alvis. So this is Mustafa Gatilari. Gatilari. Perfect. <laughs> um, they've just uh, written a book, Elements of a Haunting. They have also um, come off of A&E Ghost Hunter stores, and they're going to start a documentary, uh, which we hope will come in the fall. And that is, what is the name of that again? Haunted Discoveries. Haunted Discoveries. And before we broke, um, Mustafa was talking about the different types of spirits and having communication with them and um, possibly a ghost phone. I mean, it's fascinating. (laughs) And um, he was talking about the different kinds and if someone has passed relatively recently. So I'm going to give it back to you. If you can tell us about maybe the different types. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, this is still very new, but what we've encountered was that in this one instance where of somebody who passed very recently, they had such a strong emotional and familial connection to this specific location uh, that we were able to ask questions that you know, because we start from a wide net when you investigate. First, you ask mm-hmm. someone here. Then you want to verify, you know, if they're a person, what their association with the building is, possibly, you know, what their sex is, how old are they, um, their name, if you can get to that, and then what their relationship is, why they're there, if you can even get down to that net. Usually that sustained kind of line of communication doesn't last that long. And if you're lucky enough while you're asking questions, you'll get an EVP, you'll get a response. What's your name? Who are you? Why are you here? Can you hear me? And you'll just capture stuff that it feels like you're almost, you're almost just kind of getting in the middle of a conversation and that's it. For whatever reason, all you can capture is that. But with this one specific instance, it reminded us a lot of our communication with a Mary Lucille Myers, who we believe we contacted at Worley Hospital in Pampa, Texas, which we read which about. Which is in your book, it. yeah. Yes, yeah. So there was just something about that where, um, you know, it got us to thinking like, well, and you guys are going to have to, you know, I can't wait for you guys to see the episode, but it got us, uh, well, okay, maybe there's a different type of haunting that we can add to this classification system. Maybe there's, uh, maybe there has something to do with, I don't know. I mean, from our conversation with this person, they could see us as they saw people uh, plain as day when they were alive. They Mm -hmm. could see their surroundings the same way. Based on our conversation with them and their responses, they're not the same as they were when they were alive. They're not the same as they were. They don't look like they looked like when they were young. They didn't look like that they, what they looked like when they had passed. They also mentioned that there's certain questions that they can't answer. But wow. weirdly enough, weirdly enough, they could communicate with other beings there. And when we asked what they wanted, uh, apparently they had wanted to. Apparently they had wanted to reunite with their their parents and they wanted to pass on 
I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. I know there's a lot of different religious belief systems that come in. I don't Mm -hmm. subscribe to like a single one. Um, But I just think that, that, I mean, that's what we got is there was just, they wanted to move on and they wanted to see their parents. And then that got me to thinking like, well, okay, what does that mean? What they're living in a specific they're living in another, what it seems like a dimension. Yeah. They verify that they communicate with us electronically. They told us that they didn't like when we put on like an electromagnetic booster that it hurt them. So like hmm. people who like to ramp up, you know, environments with EMF, apparently you pump these environments up with EMF that hurts them. Um, so, so they're just, electrical in some way or perceiving electric I think this specific, yeah, I mean, this specific entity, the, what kind of cued us in was first we started getting, noticing changes in barometric pressure. And then a lot of the EMF, our EMF devices started going off. And uh, then it was just sustained communication. And I'm pretty sure we have something on camera, on command, when we asked them to show, show themselves to us if they could. And um, I'm pretty sure we also got, multiple electronic voice phenomena that we've recorded. So, um, yeah, we have to, again, we're subjecting all of our stuff to scientific scrutiny. We want to make sure uh, that it's as legit as it can be. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd like to point out, like, you know, this is stuff that's, we, we, we put it through its paces. I mean, we consult with people who are like literally like, probably considered for like Nobel prizes and like physics and and science. Now, if it passes all of this, all of their testing, do you then have proof of an afterlife? I think that kind of, uh, for me, it is for me, it's, Mm -hmm. it's definitive proof. Um, and I think, but it was scientific instruments and then scientists double checking all of it. And it's turning out to be legitimate scientifically. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that proof? I, I would say yes. I would say there is proof of mm. an afterlife. Um, but I think that then what does that mean? Does that mean you could possibly go and talk to every single person who passed? I don't know. Um, yeah. by, by all accounts, by all accounts, this particular individual was a very, very, very special individual. And I'm of the belief that this is going to sound harsh, but Mm -hmm. I'm of the belief that, um, and I could be totally wrong, but people who persist like that after death are people who are very, very, very obsessed with living and demonstrably obsessed with living. I mean, this is a person who, did so many things later in life, never talked about death, never was obsessed with the idea of death or an afterlife. Um, By all accounts from her family members. I mean, we spoke to members of this woman's family um, who verified things that we, we asked. And that that's like, you could not find out this information online. 
Like, there's oh, no well, way to yeah. research it. And they were like, how did you know that? How did you know that? They're like, well, we were talking to this person. They're like, how did you know that? It's like, well, you know, we spoke to them and they basically told us this through our questions and answers. And it was a remarkable thing. That's uh, so, amazing. Yeah. So it yeah, was because that, that is verification that you are speaking to somebody else. I mean, where else yeah. would you get that information? I, exactly. You have I mean, to be it, speaking to them. I think I think that it's not going to satisfy a lot of people. And I don't really care to do that mm-hmm. because I have I mean, we had tons of people who can verify everything that we're saying. And of course, somebody could always say, like, well, you know, they're in right. on it or this is part of that. And, and that's fine. I mean, you got people who are, you know, you got mm-hmm. people who will believe the craziest things. You got stuff going on. Hey, the earth is flat. The earth, the earth is, is flat. flat. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like so, you got yeah. like war crimes happening. They're like, oh, no, they, they staged it themselves. It's like, okay, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, this guy. There are always know, those people. Yeah, yeah. You got people, folks yeah. like that. So that's that's okay. But um, can there I, be these people? Like this entity you've spoke to, I don't know what yeah. to call them, spirit or person or. I, I just say entity. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he, she. It was she, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, den- in denial of death, is there any chance she's caught in between? Because you'd think from 1999 till now, even yeah. on the spirit side, which might only be a minute. You'd think she'd have seen her parents. You'd think her parents would have been there somehow. I don't know. I, I know it's weird. I, I don't know what that looks like. We couldn't get any definitive answers mm-hmm. as to what it looks like. Only that she could see us as she saw us in life. Literally, I was pointing around the room at different people and I said, make our devices go off when I land on the person wearing a black hat. And boom, 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 point to Brandon wearing his black hat goes off. So, and she could walk around like she normally did in life. So I, I don't know. I don't know what that plane looks like, but there, are, there was some, there was some really interesting things that we captured and things that we learned. And uh, hopefully if we can create a way to real time hear voices, yeah, we could find a way to literally create, like what I said, like in an ideal world, a ghost phone yeah. Um, yeah. by tapping into that specific frequency I, who knows the, the key to all of our knowledge about the afterlife may lie within a very small, charming bed and breakfast in the middle of Kentucky, which is an, ins- <laughs> wow. which is an insane thought. Wow. Like, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, wow. nuts. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me ask you this. And then I want to ask more about the ghost phones, beer boxes and all but was she very happy that you could com- you could communicate that you could oh, understand yeah. her? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That was that came through loud and clear, and that was corroborated by her many uh, or by one of her uh, relatives and her her niece. Mm-hmm. Um, and her niece had some amazing stories. I, I I really just can't I can't do it justice. I just when you guys see this episode. Uh, this, I mean, all of the episodes in this series are great. We just finished, we just got picture locked on episode two. Brandon's editing away like a madman. But um, that's what, that's what's good about this show too, is because like Brandon and I produced it. It's not like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I loved working on Ghost Hunters. I loved working with Pilgrim right. uh, Media. I loved especially working with Mike Nichols, who's the executive producer of that show. One of the few 
producers of paranormal content who like actually believes in it and that I've come across and just insane work ethic. And I love that guy, but it's a little different when you have uh, pretty much complete control. So yeah. Yeah. Pilgrim and Mike were great about not touching our investigations, but I think sometimes you know, I, I I thought certain things were important to include in mm-hmm. each case. And then obviously post-production, the team of editors, they have certain ideas about what should go. But right. what's great about this is that Brandon's the editor. He's editing the show. Uh, him and I did all the pre-production. We researched these locations. We got them together. We conducted all the interviews. We personally know all the people at these locations. We personally set up the meetings and you know it was months and months and months and months and months Mm -hmm. of work and it's all that time we're working there and then months and months after so um yeah what about what about though because you have put so much work into it is there a prejudice going into it doing the actual show is there a we need this to happen i think in your book somebody said um when you went in to investigate their haunting and they said i need this to be oh yeah i need i need to make i need to make this work yeah yeah yeah, we had yeah that was at madison seminary that was the owner of madison seminary uh adam kimmel kimball adam something he we go in and literally the first thing I hear is uh, I dumped a lot of money into this place. I need to make this work. Right. So, um, and that's yeah, what and I'm then, asking you on, on the episode, you know, you've, yeah, you've put in so no, much work, you know, you I, need it to work. And, and how no, does that I, prejudice I, maybe? I, for me, the way I work it is it's a documentary. Mm hmm. For me, the process, the pr- the process of doing the work of paranormal investigation and having a great time doing it, regardless of what happens, is the work. Um, you think about a relationship. You know, a lot of times you talk to people about the one that got away or anything like that. They were usually so afraid of losing a person Mm -hmm. or impressing them that they were never really free in what they were doing. So they never played the relationship out the way that they should have. Okay. Yeah. So you end up having a horrible time. You're walking on eggshells the whole time because you're Mm -hmm. afraid of losing this person or they thinking of you a certain way. You never get to say whatever you really want to say. And then the person ends up dumping you anyway. And if they don't, then you're left in a relationship that's based on pretty much all BS. That's uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah. And it's so, predetermined is what you're saying. It's your fear predetermined this, the outcome. Yeah. 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 So I think with us, it's just like every investigation and every, I mean, one of the cases, the one that we did at one spot, like we did that within like two days, like we had to set it up because one of the locations mm-hmm. got flooded out. It was a big rainstorm in Kentucky. So it's like, oh, so we're like, uh oh. So we started calling, uh, we called Pac-Man Paranormal, Ernie and Denise Pack. We say, hey, you got some spots. And they rattled off some locations and we found one. And I talked to the person who owned it, just seemed like a very genuine and sincere guy. 
he was keeping the building open because uh, in honor of his late wife who had, uh, you know, she had passed away and mm-hmm. there was a certain dignity to him. There was a dignity to him. He wasn't like craving attention or craving to be on TV or anything like that. And I said, Ooh, this guy's a real person. I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to go here. And I asked Brandon, we saw photos of the place and it was just something about it. We're like, yeah, let's go there. So we went there and, and they had an amazing investigation. Now, do I think that, bringing that energy of wanting something to happen so badly can manifest things happening. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Am I going uh, to an old, a tri field and grabbing a walkie talkie and setting the <laughs> tri field off on my yeah. side or like, you know, attaching a brick to a string or a rock to a string and do Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's cheesy. That's corny. I wouldn't be able to live. That's with fraud. <laughs> Not only is it fraud, but I, I have this. I have this superstition, and I don't know if it's real, but <laughs> but it's real for me. Is that that to me is quitting? Yeah. And if you quit something, I firmly believe that if you quit something, you can never return to it. Something in your, and this is a good friend of mine, uh, is my personal mentor. He told me about this. He says, when you quit something, not fail at it, that's different. Mm -hmm. When you quit something, your instinct will never allow you to go back to it ever again. Because no matter how high you get in a certain thing, if you quit, your body will always tell you, no matter how well you start doing again at it, it's like, ah, eh, this isn't for real. You're not going to. Oh, jeez. You know, and, and, and I think it's true. It's like yeah. a bad emotional response. And and to me. In other words, you, you've you mentally walked away and you can never mentally walk back. Exactly. Exactly. You, you quit. Yeah. You quit. You're a quitter. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I could never, I could never do that. I couldn't live with myself. I, I couldn't. But that kind of keeps you locked in, too, because you could quit and then come back to a higher level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that keeps you locked in, maybe. We're kind of going down a different rabbit hole. Here. No, it's it's yeah. it's very important. But I, I think that mm-hmm. that's one thing that we test in this series, too, is the idea of thought form manifestation. And that just right. kind of happened organically. Like, we knew all the points. We knew all the things that we wanted to cover. We knew all of the... Uh, historical points and the claims we knew the way we wanted to test them we knew the the way we want the experiments that we wanted to do and now the question is can we do this in a way that the audience is going to understand and i think that high fear Mm -hmm. of that high fear not of ghosts not of getting activity but of really expressing what we want to express and how important it is to have a protocol could that have manifested things? I think so. I really do. Um, and how do you other- protect against that, though? I don't know if you can. I, I don't okay. know if you can protect yeah. against manifesting things. I think you can come in, in at it with different emotional levels. You can not address certain things, not mention it. You know, we'll go back to relationships. I mean, you want to see if somebody really loves you and cares about you. Stop talking to them for a while. Mm-hmm. Stop reaching out to them. Stop texting all the time. 
you're the one who's constantly texting or you're the one who's constantly calling or initiating conversations, do they miss you? Do they reach out? Do they get bitter? What's their reaction? Um, and I think we did some tests with that at a specific location or a few of them, but um, we wouldn't address a certain thing. We wouldn't talk about it. Try my best to just be kind of like dead mm-hmm. emotionally, which is tough. But then yeah. go back and start addressing it, start addressing it. And then sure enough, once we start addressing it, activity starts to pop off. So can the very act of talking about things over and over again, wanting to believe in it, manifest it to happening? I think so. I, I, I think we have some pretty good evidence of that in this series. Um, but, you know, there's that. Mm-hmm. And then there's you know, knocking, throwing a rock at somebody. Oh my God, what happened? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like that was in something. your book. You had somebody throw a spirit and entity oh, throw a rock yeah. at you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, and I don't know. You can trust that one up or expect it. You know, you, yeah. uh, you had to be pretty neutral on that. Uh, that. That one, I think, I can't see how a producer or somebody could have thrown a rock. It was just... Mm-hmm. That was, that was kind of nuts. That was just. You know what? Us. When I read that, I had it. I wanted to ask, and and we've got a listening audience that hasn't read your book yet. But this yeah. was a haunting where um, there was a possibility in in the background of rape and and abuse in a um, in a care setting, which mm-hmm. was supposed to be a care setting. And yeah. you could never really um, get proof that this happened because who's going to write that down? How would you get proof in my mind? Who's yeah. going to write down? Yeah, there was a lot of rape and abuse in here. And I've True. got firsthand account. I did it. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. where are you going to get proof like that? Um, and then this per- this entity was kind of, um, I hate to say you were chasing it and it was moving away, running away and away, but yeah. that is what's happening. And there was fear there and all of that. Was there ever a woman in your group that you could have, because if that was a woman who had been abused and raped and now was on the other side, and now you and Brandon are trying to approach this person, mm-hmm. um, you know, could it have been, if there had been a woman in your group, could that have, could, the spirit have reacted differently to a woman. Yeah, we had a we had a two other female investigators, female mm-hmm. members of the crew. Uh, our sound engineer, uh, I mean our our sound person, uh, Allie, she was with us when that was happening. Um, Kristen and Rochelle, who were members of our team, they investigated parts of the building as well. Um, in terms of proof of abuse, though, I mean, there's, I don't know, I mean talked to the local member of the historical society lifetime resident of madison never heard anything about any of that stuff happening oh i see yeah you know what i mean um so you had no basis at all to believe it was there no just based off of what this person who said that they need the place to work somebody who's reenacting lobotomies or weird medical procedures on youtube Mm -hmm. um somebody who looks quite frankly 
in the videos like a crazy person. I don't know any right. other way to put it. Like, <laughs> and then this person's telling me that and then swearing up and down that they have these documents, follow up with them. Hey, can you get the documents? Can you get the documents? No. It's kind of like, happened. all right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, hey, I own a, I own a portion of the George Washington Bridge. Really? You're like, yeah, I just bought it from some guy. It's <laughs> yeah, like, okay, yeah. I got a bridge to sell you, you know? So um, I, I just, yeah. So I, I don't know. Like there's, could that have happened? What I think happened with my, my response to that is it was a reaction to somebody saying, stop it. Like, stop with this BS. Like, that's what oh, it okay. felt like to me. That's what it felt like to me is like, you know, stop coming in my house because the history of that particular location, I mean, they had civil war, female civil war spies. Yeah. Who ended up spending yeah. the rest of their lives there. Um, yeah. You had people whose lives were changed for the better at this place. I don't know why, especially in the paranormal, everybody's always trying to go in and there was a rape here, or like a child like got crucified. They wanted trauma. Wall or, yeah. Like everybody's, and, and I'm not saying that that's not the case. I mean, Mary Lucille Myers had a very traumatic life by all accounts. Mm -hmm. We've been to places with dark energies and have documented history of abuse. Right. Um, even in, even on our new show, Haunted Discoveries, that's happened. But, uh, you know, especially when it comes to stuff like that, you need to get, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to go by the word of somebody who says that they need to make money off of a haunted house uh, at, at face value. You know, that would make me bad at my job, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, we're going to have to stop. I hate to stop because I wanted to get into the ghost phone versus oh, okay. the uh, spirit box. But we've got like two minutes left. Sure, if you sure. can address it quickly. And then I want people to, you know, make sure people know how to get hold of you, uh, how to get your book and sure. uh, what's coming. Yeah, sure. So uh, the book is Elements of a Haunting. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart.com. If you just type in Elements of a Haunting, Brandon Mustafa. It'll come up. Uh, you can mm -hmm. catch me on social media. Instagram is M Gatalari. Twitter is Taf Gato, T A F G A T O. You can also hit me up on my Facebook page. I got a public page there. Um, and yeah, in the book, we cover different classification systems, uh, different pro like the protocols of paranormal investigation, which we expand on further on our upcoming new series, Haunted Discoveries. I'm really excited to share more with everybody. And I can confidently say um it is this is going to sound so arrogant but it's the truth in my opinion uh it is the best paranormal show of all time people are going to be blown away when they see what we've got on this series and it's going to change the game uh so buckle up uh things are going to change a lot in the paranormal landscape in the next few months that sounds great i'm looking forward to it and you can't say what it's on yet I can't. I can't. Okay. I will, I will be. We'll sniped. keep hanging then. That's a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on. And you were on a view through the veil. Uh, you can get hold of me at view through the veil at gmail dot com. And I've been excited to listen to all this, and I'm looking forward to your docu series. Thanks for being on.
Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.